It is Locked on Jazz for the 5th of January. The Jazz late game struggles. Is it actually all related to lack of late game experience? We'll talk on that. A trend that's changing in the NBA ever so slightly as we're at the halfway point of the season. And a massive late game watch. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free. We are available on all podcasting apps. We're also on YouTube. We promise you'll get your money's worth. Um, that was supposed to be funny. Uh, and maybe my humor is not going to be good today. Maybe my humor is never good, actually. Different thought. Uh, anyway, uh, great to have you involved. Thanks so much for making us part of your day. I greatly appreciate it each and every day that you do so. A uh, little later show today because, honestly, I got into a rabbit hole of catching up on late game NBA scenarios last night and uh, had a lot of energy and uh, just stayed on it kind of forever. So there'll be a lot of late game watching. I don't know. I have uh, we've had some interesting takeaways in the past. I didn't actually see any massive trends around the league today. Uh, For those who are new to Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. uh, One of the things I've been doing this year is watching games late, all the late games around the league. I got to all of them a lot last night. And then got to some past, um, and uh, did actually did not do Golden State Detroit yet, which Sadiq Bay hits game winner. But anyway, and we've been able to see some trends in how the league is heading and, and how people are evolving, what they're doing differently, and how it's been really an interesting. Um, there have not been as many trends recently, but there were some interesting takeaways and and games, and we're kind of into the midseason element, so there are some things to take about that. I wanted uh, the thing that I actually looked at yesterday is kind of dug into some of our late-game um, struggles. And so we've lost 12 of our last 14 clutch games after starting the year, uh, I think it was 8-3. and three. Um, So, there, you know, I think actually, and it, if it stems back to November 20th. So we were 8-3 and three on November 20th, um, and we're 2-12 and 12 since then in the clutch. So there's a few reasons here, just kind of on on an obvious level or outside level, and then and there's actually I've dug into it a little bit and found some others I think are really interesting. So one of the the first one I would say that's just kind of the obvious is that Mike Conley gets injured in Portland on November nineteenth. Okay, so that one's like so obvious, it's really hard to ignore. And and probably shouldn't be ignored, right? So so Mike Conley gets injured on November nineteenth. We're eight and three in clutch games when we win that Portland game, which he does not participate. And then then since then we're we're twelve, we're two and twelve in clutch games. We're twenty fifth offensively, we're twenty second defensively in that span. We're shooting thirty seven percent from the field. We're shooting twenty five percent from three, seventy five percent from the line. 
The the second thing that I do think probably should be referenced in there somewhere is the variability of clutch play, right? We've talked about this before, but I just want to make sure that, again, I don't, I'd like it if you all listened to every single show and made us your first listen every single day, um, but sometimes people have lives and they miss shows. Like, I might even miss tomorrow's show, um, which is weird because I'm supposed to host it, but that's a side note. Uh, so anyway, the... There's a variability here. So we're now 10 and 15 in the clutch. That's probably closer to where we should be, what we expected to be. And, you know, if we had gone 5 and 6 or 6 and 5 to start, two balls don't bounce our way, and then two balls bounce our way recently and we're 4 and or 10, it wouldn't feel as drastic. And that's probably a more realistic uh, way to look at things, uh, as though we're having some massive clutch collapse. I am willing to take the larger body and discuss that, which is that we're 10 and 15 in the clutch. That that's that's not the greatest um, number we could ever have, right? Like being 10 and 15 in the clutch is, is a little below what we would probably like to have um, for our numbers. So why? Well, I think what jumps out to me the most is other than Mike Conley, we don't have anyone on our roster that is playing clutch play in a manner that they have ever done it before in their career. Even though, you know, I, I think we've all discussed that when you talk about us being a young team, that's a little bit of a misnomer. Mike Conley's loaded with clutch experience. Okay, Mike Conley's been the primary guard in Memphis for big games. For everyone, he's played 556 career clutch games. And he's been, you know, 40% from the field, 35% from three, 80% from the free throw line. He's been pretty good. The last two years playing off Donovan, everybody else, he was nails from three. He was 19 of 43. He was really great. And so, when, frankly, when Mike was right, we were pretty good in the clutch. Like, that's actually can be a large part of the story. Mike has not been right since he's come back from that knee injury. He's had to re- kind of figure out how to do a bunch of things and land and act and all these different things. I've talked to Mike about it. Like, he can't land the way he wants to on a jumper entirely. He's had to kind of change his shot, how he releases it. Um, he can't quite explode off the leg. It doesn't feel entirely right to him um, and normal, and he's never had a knee injury in his entire career. So he's not quite right. Like, he's not totally online. Here's what gets interesting. Let, let me go back. Let's make sure. I think the important number here on Mike Conley is 556 career clutch games going into the season. So Jordan Clarkson, who is now our probably our primary clutch scorer, right? Like, if you're going to go give someone a ball and make them go to the basket on our team, it's, it's Jordan Clarkson. Um. Jordan Clarkson's taken 62 shots this year in the clutch. In the four previous years prior, he took 62 shots in the clutch. This year, Jordan Clarkson has played 24 clutch games. Last year, he played 29. The previous year, 16. The previous year, 11. The previous year, 11. 30 and 17. It isn't since 2015-16 when he was a starter on a, like, 12-win Laker team that he has played and been a primary involved in clutch time. He played clutch for the Jazz last few years if Donovan Mitchell or Mike Conley was not playing that night. And sometimes Trent Forrest played it instead. 
So he's taken, Mike Conley's taken, excuse me, Jordan Clarkson's taken 62 shots in the clutch this year. And he has taken 62 his four previous years. It's new. Playing the final five minutes of the game is different. Playing the final five minutes of the game in a different role is is different. You cannot be prepared for it. In the final two minutes of a game, within four points, I think it is, late and close, um, Mike, uh, Jordan Clarkson has played 18 games this year. The last time he played 18 games, in the final two, last time Mike Jordan Clarkson was on the floor, in the final two minutes of close games for 18 times in a season was the 2016-17 season when he played 22. Jordan Clarkson's our veteran, savvy, coolest all-get-out guy who's supposed to be able to handle all these moments for us, and, and, he's, and he makes a bunch of plays, and he's done fine. But he also, the other night, had a complete defensive brain cramp when he hedged out on De'Aaron Fox in a way that I haven't seen a lot of our players do, so I can't imagine that he was supposed to. I guess I'm making a jump here. Let me make sure I'm clear that I, if I'm wrong, I apologize to Jordan, but I, I'm pretty certain we don't haven't done that defensively all year, so I'm, I'm suspecting we probably weren't supposed to do that defensively on that play. And, like, Jordan's pretty great. And yet in that moment, he completely, completely did something that we're not supposed to do. Because playing late in games is different. Your brain's functioning differently. It's hard. It's different. It's really, really difficult. And so Jordan blew that one. And it happens. But he's having a great year in the clutch. He's shooting 44% from the floor, 35% from three, 73% from the line. It's not great. But he's been our most active clutch guy. He's taking the most shots. He's done a nice job. He's developing. Like, if we remember what a lot of this was about this season, which is guys having new roles, spreading their wings, expanding. It doesn't feel like it when you've lost five in a row. I got it. But Jordan's taking 55 shots. Lowry's taking 36. Jordan's got a line 15 times. Lowry's got a line 31 times. But Jordan's done it. 44% from the field and 35% from three in clutches. It's good. It's really good. But he made some mistakes, done something's wrong, had some... Yeah, because it's all new. Let me give that to you just one more time, and then we'll jump to do Lowry and, and Kelly Olenek and the other guys at close. So Jordan's played 24 clutch games this year. Last year he played 29, previously 16, 11, 11, 30, and 17. He's doing exactly what he is in the career, 41% from the field and 29% from three. He's better. Like, he's gotten better. It's great. Give him credit. He's taking 62 shots in the clutch, or I guess 55. This year I have, that's interesting, I had him at 62 and now have him at 55, so it depends, I guess, how you're defending clutch. Uh, And he's taking basically in the last four years, he's taking 62 shots. The final two minutes of a game within four possessions, he has played 18 games. Last time he played that many was 2016-17. He's taking 25 shots the previous Four seasons. So he's taking 25 shots in the final two minutes of games. In the f- previous four seasons, he's taking 21. Brand new, massively expanded role. I think he's doing great with it, but he makes mistakes. Well, look at this is not inconsistent. This, this is the story of our team. This is really cool, isn't it? I'll explain in a minute. It is Locked on Jazz today. Thank you very much for tuning in on the, uh, what day of the week is it? 
Thursday edition of Locked on Jazz. It's brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. The Murdochs have been in Utah for over, uh, what is it, 80-plus years now? Are you sure that, like, Blake's not so old that it's not, like, 90 years at this point? I think it might be 90. I think we should, like, claim it's Blake. I think Blake's, like, 60 now. He's not. He's, like, young, hip, cool. Anyway, uh, Murdoch Hyundai, located 4646 South State Street, also in Logan and Linden, the great lot of SUVs. I was talking with Alex Jensen last night. I was like, we own three Hyundais. He's like, oh, is this the car I need when my kids, my girls get older? I'm like, long way to go, Alex. Don't worry about it yet. But... uh that is the car you might need when you're when it's done. Uh, that's what we decided for our kids. It had the best safety features. It was the most reasonably priced. It got the most bells and whistles for it. And so both kids ended up with a Hyundai Santa Fe. I'm now driving a Hyundai Ionic, the electric car that's absolutely fabulous. One of the Motor Trend Car of the Year. If you're interested in the Hyundai, e- email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com. That's dlock09 at gmail.com. And let me... Uh, help you out with a VIP meeting with either Cam or Jake or whoever. And make sure when you do email me, you let me know where you're going to be. It's easier. It makes it a little faster. That's all at dlock09 at gmail.com, courtesy of our friends over at Murdoch Hyundai. This one's an interesting sponsor. They've been great for us, and um, they, they've they run throughout the year for us. And I, I, wanted to, um, I don't know if they're going to continue. It's kind of an interesting experiment on them, and they're good friends. So I just want to take a second here and, and – and give them, a, give them a shout out, and then we'll decide. I, I don't think this one's actually on the books. This is kind of what I'm saying. So uh, I just want to mention it one more time as you get 2023 going. Maybe this is the year for you. Um, we are, uh, and this is Summit Cap. And this is uh, David and Jeff and um, the crew over there um, all doing, and Matt, doing great work. Um, and they're neat because they invested in Locked On. We're right, right about the two-year anniversary of our sale. And... Um, they were a very integral part of the success uh, that we had on Locked On and being able to you know, sell the company and, and do well for our investors and, and all those kind of things. Um, and so it's kind of neat. And so what they're looking for is they're trying to provide capital for management who's seeking to buy out the owners of businesses they work in um, or owners that are seeking to sell their companies or entrepreneurs seeking capital to help grow their businesses. Um, you can reach out to Matt and uh, get involved at 801-796-2033 or email at LockedOnJazz at SummitCapUtah.com uh, or SummitCapUtah.com. Dot com is the website. Uh, really appreciate them. Uh, they're good people. And if this is something that actually matches to you, Summit Cap would be a great way for you to get it done. Uh, you can email me on that. That was kind of sparse. So you can feel free to email me as well on that if you need to. Um, the, the contacts. I'll set you up. Thanks very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. For your second listen, how about Locked on Sports today? The 22-minute recap. All right, this is really cool. Our PR staff got this for us. This is the awesome... Uh, ben Barnes and the crew over have started the All-Star campaign. Hopefully you've read about it with the 1990s-style poster of Lowry marketing where they got the ice cubes and they did the real ice and the basketball court is actually, the basket's actually truly shattered. And they did all this filming with him. It was really great. And so they made us these sweatshirts and it says the finisher on the side. Derek Gardunio does great work. and I'm assuming he was largely a part of this. Um, and so this is the cool sweatshirt that we have. So that's what I'm sporting on this trip. All right. So we just talked about Jordan Clarkson, who's our primary offensive option in the clutch. Well, our primary secondary, our second offensive option in the clutch is a guy by the name of Lowry Marketing, who is the finisher, who's been just awesome. But like, talk about a different role for a second. Over the last few years, 59 of his last 84 shots. Okay. 
Let's make sure. Like, I know I'm throwing a lot of numbers at you. Um, I know numbers. A lot of people say numbers are really boring. Um, they, you know, they're not particularly exciting. Uh, all right. So 70% of Lowry's shots in the clutch over the last stretch of years were just threes. So in the clutch over the last few years, Lowry Markin's job has been to stand out at seven feet tall, space the floor, and be available for a three-point shot. Like, we can try to pretend it was something else, but the numbers are pretty graphic there. So 70% of Lowry's shots have been, in the clutch, have been threes. He's not creating for himself in any way, shape, or form. And now, all of a sudden, with some regularity, we're putting the ball in Lowry's hands and telling him to go to work. And that is a brand new experience for Lowry marketing. And I think it's great. But this year, only 15 of his 43 clutch shots. Shots have been clut- in the clutch. Only So he's suddenly gone from 70% of his shots in the clutch. And let me tell you what, Lowry is a clutch player. Like you want, it is hard to find guys whose numbers get better in the clutch. And Lowry's numbers get better in the clutch. It's really, really hard to find. In fact, you know, like I was just saying, Jordan's numbers, and maybe they didn't sound so good, they're right on his career numbers. That's actually terrific. It's harder to score in the final five minutes of a game. So if you look at Lowry, like last year, he takes 28 of his 37 shots as threes in Cleveland. He hits 46% of them. The year prior in Chicago, he doesn't even play clutch. He only plays 16 of the games. 11 of his 15 shots are threes. Hits 36%. His third year in Chicago, he 20 of his 32 shots are threes. Now, if you back up to his second year, and we've talked about this kind of continually with Lowry Market, in his second year of his career, they actually gave Lowry the ball, told him to make plays, do things, and then they actually literally told him they're going to build a whole offense around him and then changed. In Lowry's second year in 1819, this is actually where he actually does what he's doing. This year, he actually shot 52% from the clutch, from the field, 46% from three in the clutch. And look to be creating much of his own stuff. I could go and try to figure out how many of his field goals were assisted. But he shot only 13 of 33 shots as threes. But since that year, over the last four year, three years, Lowry had taken 59 of his last 84 shots as clutch shots. And if you actually back it up even like to the last three years, it's even more drastic. So, it's yeah, it's 59 of his last 84 shots were threes. In the final two minutes of a close game, so what's defined by is late and close. Over the last few years, Lowry Markinen had taken 14 of his 17 shots as threes. So last year he took 11 of 13. The year before he took 3 of 4. And the year before that, so that was 14 of his last 17 in the last two years. Go back to that second year. He actually was great late in games. He was 5 of 10 from the field and 3 of 5 from 3, and he was 86% from the free throw. He's amazing. He's Lowry Markkinen right now, by the way, has made 19 of 19 from the free throw line in the clutch. 19 of his last 19 free throws in the clutch. Incredible. He's made 49 of his last 50 overall. This year in the clutch at the free throw line, Lowry Markinen is 27 of 32 for 84%. He is a career 87% clutch free throw shooter. This guy has all the makeup of someone who can do this. He just hasn't done it before. 
Final two minutes of games, last two years, 14 of 17 shots for threes. He just is taking threes. This year it's only 6 of 15. He's being asked to create for himself. It's totally different. The one that also surprises me here, who's a major, major clutch player for us, is Kelly Olenek. Kelly Olenek, who we talk about his championship experience in Boston and in in Miami, goes to the finals of the bubble, and he's got all... Right, okay, but other than two years of his career, he clearly was not a part of the clutch lineup. When you look back at his career, his final two years in Miami... It looks like in clutch games, he's on the floor. He plays 37 clutch games in Miami in 2017-18. And he's active. Takes 38 shots, takes a shot a game, he takes 13 threes, he has 15 assists. He's pretty active. But this year he's played 24 clutch games. Only twice in his career has he exceeded that number. And that was in the 17, 18, and 18, 19. He played 30 and 37. So even Kelly Olenek playing 24 clutch games this year is played more clutch games than he has in all but two of his NBA seasons. He's the most experienced of this group. But again, a wildly different role. He's played 229 clutch games. It's not new to him, but his role is. He's taken 25 shots in the clutch this year. In the last three years combined, he's taken 30. He has nine assists this year for us in the clutch. Since 2017-18, five years ago, he has eight. He has nine assists in the clutch this year. In the last five years in the clutch, he's had eight. So he is playing clutch minutes again for us. He's playing clutch differently. He is now playing clutch with the ball in his hands, the guy making plays with Mike. Very different. And he's struggling recently. He's two of his last 12 from the field, 0-4 from three. He has taken 12 shots in the final two minutes of a close game this year for the Jazz. 12. Okay? He had taken 14 in the previous four years. New role. New experience. He has two assists in the last two minutes. He did not have an assist in the last four years in the last two minutes of the game. He was not put in a position with the ball in his hands to have an Last time he had an assist in the clutch was 17-18. 17-18. And now he has two this year. He has more rebounds in the clutch in the final two minutes of a game this year than he's had in any year of his entire career. So part of the losing 12 of 14 is threefold. One, it's unlucky. You can't just have this many shots go in against you late in games and not at some point just to say it's unlucky. Two, Mike Conley's not right. And Mike Conley is the one experienced piece who's playing the role he's played before and done this before and made a million unbelievable plays in the first 11 clutch games. He was uh, amazing. And then the third one is that we've got a bunch of guys who are really good, who are actually doing it pretty well, who are all doing something they've never done before. 
Lowry's never been the man. Jordan's never been the man. Olenek's never been the distributor. Vando, no way has he been in these situations. Kessler, by definition. So it's all brand new. And no one does anything well the first time. At all. Okay. Makes a little bit more understanding and sense, I think, if you kind of look at it that way. Hopefully we bust through that. Uh, An interesting league trend and a late game review uh, coming up for you here on Locked on Jazz. Today's show is brought to you in part by our friends over at Built Bar. Uh, Built Bar is now available for you in all sorts of places you might not think about. We always think about Built as Built.com and going to get them there. However, you're now looking for a delicious treat. You can go and run to a local store and get Built Bar. Yeah, no, it's kind of it's kind of cool. They've gone into um, all sorts of other places, like including Walmart and Sam's Club and things like that. So you can go get them there. The Built Bar is the unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut, almond. Makes the Built so good. Well, starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate on your Built Bars. And the macros are amazing, 130 calories with limited grams of sugar. How about 4 grams of sugar and a whopping 17 grams of protein? It's all at Built.com. It's also available for you now to run out and go order your uh, – get your Built at Sam Clubs or – uh, grab if you're heading over to Walmart today. Go to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puff. Sam's has a 13-bar box for you as well. That's all from Built.com. Thanks so ma- very much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. Game to games, a good one last night with a bunch of loaded, ex- huge games. I'm gonna minute I'm done with the show, I'm going to listen to game to game on Locked On NBA uh, for you. All right, here's an interesting little thing I did yesterday on the plane. I got into kind of a, I got into a bunch of NBA rabbit holes last night. It was fun. I haven't done that in a while. Um, transition offense is changing in the NBA. Uh, so Quinn Snyder and the Jazz kind of broke the NBA by running for threes. We've talked a lot about how Brooke Lopez and Milwaukee have taken away the the rim from people. I think it means that people are now running to the rim at a really, really high rate so that they can get on the rim in transition um, because it may be the only way they can get on, on the rim in transition. Transitions become a little bit more effective um, than efficient than it has been. It's 1.47 points per possession, which is super high. Um, the um, 48% of all shots are now being taken in the restricted area in transition. It was 45%. That's a big jump, actually. Like, that's a big jump. 33% of all shots were threes. Or it's now down to 31. Um, shots aren't actually any better or higher value, frankly. Um, they are just, that's what they're doing. Teams are shooting a little bit higher percentage. Their three-point percentage is down. Now, this is what's really interesting to me about this. Three-point shooting percentage in transition is now 36%, which I think is pretty darn close to what three-point percentage is in the half court. So you run in transition, you try to go get on the rim. If you don't get on the rim and you run into a half-court set, the way the league is right now, I think you can get about a 36% three-point shot. Might not be exactly right, but it's close, which makes it a little bit of an interesting kind of math equation there. So keep an eye on that. I think it's interesting. Um, 
All right. Let us run through some of the games last night I watched. I watched a ton. Um, so let me, this is late game watch. If you're new to this, I watch the final nine minutes of any close game in the NBA, and then we talk about them and see if we find any trends. Um, Phoenix, Cleveland, interesting note. Phoenix did not switch, or Cleveland on the final play of the game when Phoenix was, Cleveland wins it. Donovan has a bucket and an assist late. He does strain his groin, by the way, with about 234 left in that game. Um, wasn't a lot of things to take away from it. They're running Donovan off the left side of the floor. They're letting him play ISO. He's not really coming up Jared Allen picks very often. He's just kind of beating his guy. He's got to step back there. He's in a rhythm. There's space in the floor. There's some time trying to get a matchup for him. It doesn't even seem he cares who's, who's guarding him. And then he breaks the defense down and finds Jared Allen for a big shot. Um, found Mobley for a shot. Uh, and then hit his step back three. But he's playing over on the left side of the floor, one-on-one, going to work. Interesting to keep an eye on if we play a close game with Cleveland. They did not switch on the final inbound play, which almost everyone does. So that was a real surprise. They did not switch, and then Bridges misses a shot uh, late in the game. Teams are having a hard time closing out games. Holy smokes, you think games are done, and then they're not. Um, and that, like the Spurs-Knicks games, Greg Popovich has a young crew that's never been in the clutch. They were brutal last night. Down two with six seconds left. They take a five-second violation which Walt Frazier, the TV announcer of the Knicks, has the greatest line of all time, calls it an egregious blunder by a neophyte because Jeremy Sohan was inbounding. Yes, an egregious blunder by a neophyte. In fact, if you would like to just tweet me, at me, at egregious blunder by a neophyte for listening to this point of the show, I would, I'm just really proud of you. Thank you for listening. It lets me know that you're still tuned in. And that's the greatest line of all time. Um, Knicks just fell apart late. They had this game. They're just, they were so simple. They were literally running a uh, Brunson... Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, pick and roll low on the right side every single time down. Nothing creative, nothing. Brunson went to work. He had his career high, uh, regular season career high. Didn't get his 40 when he got against us. Um, but the Spurs, in the final, they inbound with six seconds left, down two, and Sohan never gets the ball out of his hands. And then they inbound again, down three with three seconds left. They don't get a shot off. Really bad. Um, really young, really inexperienced, kind of to our point. Milwaukee-Toronto was the craziest game I've ever seen. So I download these games and watch them, and I know it's going to overtime, except for the fact that Milwaukee leads by 14 with 6.30 left. And then they lead by 15 with six minutes left. And then they lead by 13 with 4.24 left. And then they lead by 21 with 3.10 left. And Bud pulls all their players and puts them on the bench. And then... Toronto hits back-to-back threes, and Bud has to bring all the starters back in, and then Toronto plays Hacky Giannis. But the Bucks are still up 16 with 130 left. All the Bucks actually have to do is take 24-second shot clock violations, and they win the game. Right? Like, there's 130 left. They have the ball. If they take a 30-second shot clock or 24-second shot clock, there's 106. Let's say that Toronto miraculously goes down in six seconds, scores, and makes the game a 13-point game on a three, and the Bucks take another 24-second shot clock violation. There's 36 seconds left. Let's say they score again, another three. It's a 10-point game, and they take another 24-second shot clock violation, and there's six seconds left, and the game is over. All the Bucks had to do was take shot clock violations. The game went to overtime. Craziest thing I've seen. Grayson Allen playing point guard is not good. They did not have Drew Holiday. Javon Carter was not having a good game. Uh... I will say winning this game was the essence of Giannis. Like, I don't know that you lose that lead, come back and win in overtime unless you have Giannis Antetokounmpo on your team. Brooke Lopez should be the defensive player of the year. He was incredible, particularly in the overtime, just denying the rim. Scotty Barnes was mammoth. But you teams are having a hard time finishing games. 
Uh, Sacramento, Atlanta last night. Atlanta ran a great inbound late. Really great inbound late. Um, Atlanta's had some good creative plays late. Uh, Nate McMillan, Joe Prunty doing a good job down there. Uh, Davian Mitchell came in to match Trey Young for a lot of the late game uh, for Sacramento. Kevin Herter hit a bunch of big shots. De'Aaron Fox hit a bunch of big shots like craziness, Sacramento. Sacramento does lose this game. This was pretty interesting. So DeJounte Murray is inbounding, free throw line extended, right side of the floor. Trey Young, I think it was, runs up as though he's going to the half court, and Murray fakes the pass. So the guy who was defending inbound, which might have been Keegan Murray, who made two more late game mistakes. Oh, my gosh. He had another terrible foul. Rookies, late in games, hard to play him. Jeremy Sohan, rookie, not inbounding, hard to play him. Um, the guy was defending when the ball fake goes up top, jump to that side of the pass. Okay. Simultaneously, DeAndre Hunter of Atlanta runs into the right uh, to the right block. Murray inbounds to Hunter, and then he has a straight line cut to the basket. Gets the bounce pass. Kevin Herter was the defender who popped out. Kevin Herter popped out. Um, he's the one who blew it. It was not Murray. Excuse me, I don't want to throw Keegan Murray under the bus. I, I saw Murray's name. It was DeJounte Murray, not Keegan Murray. Um, and so he has a straight line backdoor cut to the basket. It was pretty good little play. Um, pretty basic, but pretty good. And, and got a lamp and a foul and, pro- and won Atlanta the game. All right, that was the late game watch. No major trends last night other than teams are really, really struggling to close out games. Have a great one. Thank you very much.